Hello once again. It is Monday, May 9th, 2022, and it's time for another Slow Your Roll. I'm Jesse Caulfield, writer for the Yakima Report. I'm here with Dominic Lorenzano, <laughs> local Italian, and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of playoff stuff today, really. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. We're going to talk a little baseball with those damn Red Sox, mm. and a uh, little, actually, the... I was going to call them the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins, actually. Mm-hmm. We're also going to talk, we never talk about it, we're going to talk a little UFC today. Yeah, UFC 274 <clears throat> just happened. Yes, and I also, I'm just going to put this out there, I'm a little under the weather, so I apologize <laughs> to everyone listening. If you hear me constantly clearing my throat, maybe some coughing, some sniffling, <laughs> I'm not at 100%. No. So, it's going to be a bit of a grind, but a good show today. We have a good show today for yes, you people. I think so. All right. Yes. So, right. Dom, do you want to just take it from there, then? Oh, I'll take it As from I there. As I run for the tissues? Yes. All right. So, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors take down Memphis, scoring... I've, I forget the exact score right now. They scored over 140 points, though. Now they're up 2-1 on Memphis. If anyone who's watched this series, you know, Golden State hasn't even played their best up until that last game. They missed a lot of open shots, and yet the series was tied at one apiece. John Morant needed 47 points in the game, two, in order for Memphis to barely squeak by and beat Golden State. This series, in my opinion, now that especially that John Morant might miss the next game, too, with a knee injury, this series is over. Golden State is taking down the Memphis Grizzlies. Not a huge shocker, though. I think most people thought that. Here's my point, though. If Steph Curry in Golden State wins another championship, where does that put him all time? Because I feel like Steph is one of the more disrespected NBA stars as far as when it comes to how we compare him to and where we're going to put his legacy. Listen, if he's got four championships, a championship later and outside of what was his dynasty years, he's the only one that KD was able to win a championship with, and he was able to beat LeBron multiple times in a sport that we like to say we like to, you know, compare everyone and, and guard everyone by by championships. That's how we judge people in the NBA. Where do you put Steph? And everybody struggles with this because he's small, he doesn't play defense really, and he's just not as talented unstoppable force as Michael Jordan was, as LeBron was, as KD can be as a scorer, a bunch of all these other guys. But where do the intangibles meet and make push him past the people who are more talented? Listen, Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. He is. It's not even questionable. But Brady's the far superior quarterback because he's a winner. And Steph Curry is the one of the winningest NBA stars of all time. Puts winning above everything else, puts it above himself, builds a culture of winning. He has been the architect of that dynasty. He might be the architect of another championship as well. And like I said, where does the talent meet up with the intangibles and just the rings and championships? Where are we drawing that line? Now, I'm not saying he's not saying he's LeBron. I'm not saying he's Jordan. I'm not asking to go that far. But I think a lot of NBA people don't even put him top five. Maybe some don't even put him top ten. He gets a lot of disrespect. And my thing is, the NBA is about talent more than anything else, so I get that. He doesn't, you know, blow you away like Jordan and all these other guys. But, as I've said, Brady, 
not as talented as Rodgers, but Brady's the best of all time. Peyton, probably not as talented as Rodgers either, but we think Peyton's better than Aaron. Peyton might have been more talented than Brady too, but we think Brady's better. So, where does he judge all time? That's that's my thing. I'm curious to see what everybody does if he indeed does win another title just where they try and place him. So, Jesse, we already argued about this a little bit when we were doing the show. Yeah. So I want you to, to add your piece to this. Well, what do you think defines the best NBA player of all time? What do you think? Championships. Okay. Championships with also the context of how they were done. Why isn't Bill Russell the greatest <laughs> basketball player of all time then? Probably. But why isn't he? He's got 11. Because the league was different back then. Oh, the league was different. Okay. Listen, I'll say Seth Curry is... Uh, excuse me. Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Not Seth Curry. Seth Curry is the other one. Um, is one of the greatest modern basketball players of all time. But the game has kind of changed. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people that I kind of don't like to compare people from different eras and different sports because of how much the games do change. And like... He's got the most three points made of all time. Well, that's because back in the day, nobody shot threes. Mm. Heck, at one point, there wasn't even a three-point thing, a three-point shot. But wait, like, wait, wait. But that's but, but that's, but that's a nice, talented thing that we can put to Steph. He's the, no, he's the he greatest is. shooter of all time in the NBA. Mm. Mm. Would he be, if there was three-pointers <laughs> forever, and there was much more emphasis on it back in the day, would he be? Probably. Because, I mean... It was Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. and then quickly it was Ray Allen, and now quickly again it was Curry. Mm. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal anymore. It's mm. kind of not. Um, you know, good for him. But, like, he's also, I know he's still got many years ahead of him. He's not even in the top 25 in all-time scoring. Mm. But, like, uh, but like do you think kid- Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is up there in this? He's up there. <laughs> but So where, do you, where would you rank? Steph? Yeah. He's got to be top 10. I think I would probably put him in the top 10. But when, Listen, you, when I, you push the five and the three, I'm like, pay, that's where I got to back off. Maybe man. not three, but I could see five. Listen, Steph gets so much disrespect that I've heard pundits be like, well, Alan Iverson was a better basketball player. All right. No, I, did, I forgot he existed, to be honest. <laughs> like, <clears throat> Iverson didn't win anything. You just like him because he's more talented. And you, it's we can't wrap our arms around Steph. I mean, at least like the NBA people who are all about, you know, you know, it's got to be my way. I, you know, be be the sometimes a hole. Um, <laughs> you know, to be the selfish superstar, be unstoppable. They all just it's all about talent in the NBA, and so they can't grab their arms around Steph the same way they can other people. Sure, and but like. He's also, you said it, like he's not really about defense. And I feel like the best players of all time, and again, I'll put him maybe probably in the top 10. I haven't sat down and made a list. But the best players of all time, the best, has to be like an all-around player. Not the best at everything, but the best all-around player. Hmm. That's that's who I always see as the best to me. But Except Steph, Babe Ruth, that fat bastard. But Steph also is a great point guard, a great facilitator of the offense. He's not just he's not James Harden or Russell Westbrook. He's not just a scorer. He makes everybody else better too. Uh sure. But not on not defending. No, he's not a great defensive player. And like like I said, he's one of the best modern scorers in the game. He's maybe the best shooter in today's NBA. Probably the best shooter in today's NBA. But it's just, it's so hard to compare him to people like Jordan, to people like 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, people that I consider would probably be in the top 10 list. Heck, even like a guy like Shaq. The game has changed so much even since the early 2000s, I feel. Mm. Um, not for the better. Did Shaq, Shaq hasn't won anything without Kobe, though. No. But like... So Steph's better than Shaq. I'm, I'm listen, I'm not... <laughs> I don't think Shaq is better than him. But like, I'm, Shaq is... Probably not even in the top ten, but an all-time great player. But he came from a different era, and it's like, how do I compare him to Steph, uh, Steph Curry? Yeah, other than size, that'd be fun to compare. Yeah, you know, like I mean, I, I, I get your point, and I think that's one of the reasons why people struggle with Steph Curry so much. But as I've said, if he wins another championship without KD, that's two without KD, wins another one even post what the peak years were of his team and dynasty. <laughs> and beat LeBron multiple times. I mean, he does start compare at least the accomplishments do with just about anybody else. Jordan never won one without Pippen. Well, here's another thing, though. I I haven't watched... I've only watched, like, the Celtics so far in the NBA playoffs. I haven't really watched Golden State. But I've heard Clay Thompson's name a lot more than Curry's name in this playoff. I mean, Curry went off last night. Okay. And Curry was also okay. hurt in the first round, so he was kind of coming off the bench more. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that one. Uh, but, like, it's not. And, like, you know, it wasn't all about Jordan. Uh, every time LeBron won, he had someone else uh, really making the big shot when it mattered most, actually. Mm. Um, all those great Celtics teams had a team. Um, Wait, you mean when LeBron won, he had someone else make the shot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Whether it be uh, Ray, Ray Allen, Allen or... Kyrie. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, or the pandemic, mm-hmm. making the big shots for him. Um, but like Steph, like you know, not to say they all didn't have a team because like, you do kind of need a team. But like he's had, he's if it was only Steph Curry, I'm sure he maybe have won it most. Yeah, because the modern NBA is about like you need that guy, you need that one dude, that one superstar, and that can get you almost there. Mm. And like if you're as good as is there is there a superstar on this <clears throat> Golden State team though? Other than Steph? Clay Thompson. Coming off a, you know, messed up knee twice. I don't think anyone thinks... <laughs> what is that? I don't think anyone thinks Clay is Superstars a get hurt, superstar. Bro. There is no LeBron. There is no Giannis. There is no right. KD. There is Here's not the one like that on this Golden State team. And if Steph they Curry, win another championship... What if they beat Giannis and the Bucks in the championship? I mean, you think they will. I do think they will. You think you think the matchup is set for like them to kind of roll over them? I don't know about that, but I just think I just think well, the, Golden they're, State they're is from, a perfect matchup against yeah, the they're, Bucks. They're perimeter, all about distance, perimeter shooting. Yeah. yeah, and I mean you're never gonna defend Giannis. Um, so I guess they have that. But like I, I kind of I'm, I'm but on I mean your... like Jordan would score 40, 50 points and they'd still lose to the Celtics back in the day and stuff. Like Giannis can still get his and you can still lose the game. Yeah. No, I know. And that's 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 why the Golden State Warriors were so much better than everyone. You had that superstar shooter in Steph Curry, but you also had a I'll call him a fringe star mm-hmm. in um, Clay Clay Thompson, and then you had another guy, the rebounder his, and enforcer Draymond. His um his Dennis Rodman yes. in Draymond Green just behaves a little more. Yeah, a little more, a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Not much better, but so listen. Top five, I think you're pushing it. Okay. But sure, if I sat down, he would probably be in my top ten. Okay. I think you'd find a lot of NBA people. A lot of NBA guys would be like, he's not even top ten. And you know what? I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> I mean, 
again, I, I haven't sat down and put a ranking, but he is definitely top five, maybe even top three in the modern era of basketball, as in, like, starting, I'll say, even in 2010. Because unlike football, NBA and basketball has this problem where they don't think that you should ever take a back step to anyone or give anybody else the light. If you're the winner and you're the killer and whatever, whatever, it's got to be you who's got to do everything. So they can't wrap their arms around how Steph would be like, no, I'll, I'll share the spotlight with KD and let KD take the big shots and give KD his the ball on his time. Ah, I'm a little banged up. I'll sit a little bit more and give this kid Jordan Poole his minutes here in the first round of the playoffs to be able to score and get his feet under him and get his confidence. Well, because I think Steph they is... Can't, the NBA can't wrap their arms around that the same way that football does. Well, because I think Steph Curry is one of the most... one of the smartest and one of the most genuine people in the NBA. <laughs> he probably knows that, like, hey, if I bring in a guy like Durant before we want him in here, that takes less pressure off me, <laughs> less pressure off my small body compared to these much larger men. So why he can last longer. Yeah. And he can do more. And he's about, he wants to win. Mm-hmm. And, like, sure, he, like, he's never really been about his accolades. No. Now, there was that thing where he set the all-time record for three-pointers and they stopped the game. And that was kind of, like, un-Steph Curry-like. To mm-hmm. be like, me, mm-hmm. look at me. Um, but for the most part, it's been none of that. Yeah. He's and like, I, th- I am a warrior. And I think that's the kind of thing that makes him get disrespected. Because the NBA has a tough time putting their hands around that for some reason. They have rather the entitled superstar. Maybe. <laughs> they would. He's not toxic enough to be in the top five. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, that's really the way I think of it. The way people look at it. The, they wouldn't say toxic. I say toxic. But Sure. They would explain <clears throat> things that I would then say are toxic. All right. I think we're good on this. Okay. All right. Moving on. Jesse, hit us with some rapid fire rapid news. Rapid fire right? news. All right, it wasn't a very interesting week, but I, I kind of just put in all the playoff updates up here. Okay. We'll start with the Red Sox, though. Those damn Red Sox. They went <laughs> one in five since we were last here. They lost the series two games to one against the Angels. And then over the weekend, they were swept by the White Sox, who yeah. also can't hit. Yes. Yet they out hit you. Uh, more Red Sox news. Michael Waka, our best pitcher, was placed on the 15-day IL. So it's all falling apart. <laughs> yes. All right. Here's your NBA updates. So the Bucks currently lead the Celtics two games to one. They are going to play tonight. Uh, the Warriors also lead the Grizzlies two games to one. Also play tonight. Those mm-hmm. games are at, I believe, they're 7.30 and 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tomorrow night, we have the Heat and the 76ers. Ties two games to two. Uh, Suns and Mavericks also two and two. So it's pretty a uh, pretty good series going on in the NBA right now. Yeah, there are. This has been this has been a really good NBA playoffs actually. Mm. There's actually been some drama where like teams actually don't like each other for once. Like Golden State and Memphis is getting pretty chippy. Obviously the the Celtics and the Nets had some animosity. Yeah, it hasn't been as buddy buddy, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. That's why I like the hockey playoffs so much. Because no matter how friendly you are, like everyone's just fighting everyone all the time. But anyway, moving on to the NHL playoffs, the Bruins are tied two to two with the Hurricanes somehow, some way, and they'll play tomorrow night uh, in Game Five in Raleigh, North Carolina. The Capitals currently lead the Presidents Trophy-winning Florida Panthers two games to one. They'll play tonight, and then the Penguins. Lead the Rangers two games to one. They'll Woo! also they'll also play tonight. Dom had the Penguins. <laughs> and then finally, the last game tonight for the NHL, the Avalanche lead the Predators three games to none. They go for the sweep tonight in uh, Nashville. 
Mm. Another uh, so four more games tomorrow. The Stars surprisingly lead the Flames two games to one. Uh, Maple Leafs and Lightning are tied two to two. Wild and Blues, I thought that would be a great series, and so far it is. They're tied two to two, and the Oilers and Kings are now also tied two games to two. And uh, those last two games are all tomorrow. Mm. Uh, some final bit of NHL news this morning the New York Islanders announced they have parted ways with head coach Barry Trotz so no offense to Bruce Cassidy but I hope you get fired this offseason because I would love that man as our head coach <laughs> oh boy is he a good head coach I don't know why the Islanders did this um, and then finally for rapid fire news some Kentucky Derby news. Yes. The Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, is your 2022 Kentucky Derby winner. 80 to 1 odds. The worst odds ever to win. And I don't really care about horse racing, but that was electric. Yeah. That was my favorite horse racing moment of all time. I've seen, I think, two triple crowns. Have you really? Oh, yeah. We yeah. have. Yeah. It almost doesn't matter anymore. I know. But 80 to 1 odds won the Kentucky Derby. It was great. Somebody was happy. Someone, <laughs> probably someone, because apparently, like nobody bet this. Actually, this horse was put in the race the day pro- before. Oh, really? Yep. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And that has been rapid fire news. All right. And from that, we are going to get to some Red Sox talk. <sighs> now that Michael Walker is hurt, <laughs> you probably need Whitlock in the rotation now. But before Walker was hurt, get Whitlock out of the damn rotation. Okay, I can't. I feel like every start he's had, he's pitched for the most part brilliantly, and they lose the game because the bullpen blows it. And trust me, it's more than just Whitlock starts that the bullpen is blowing the game. But it's just funny that it's also happened, it seems like, almost every Whitlock start since we did the last show. Um, This bullpen is atrocious, and there's nothing. It's not like the offense that has the track record that you can say they should hit. It'll be okay. All right. The bullpen has been awful, and the starting rotation has been fine. The starting <clears throat> rotation's ERA is in the twos. I'm, let's see how long that lasts. It probably won't. But still, the bullpen is the problem. And whether it's Matt Barnes, who looks like he's about to pitch his way under the unemployment line, Valdez, Diekman. I, I mean, they might have sent Valdez down by now. I think they did. But Diekman, Brazier is terrifying me now as well. <laughs> Austin Davies is, was never good even to start with. I mean, there's nobody out there in this bullpen right now. Robles is an adventure. Robles is probably the best pitcher, though, that they have. Oh, that's sad. I know. So now that Walker is hurt, you probably can't do anything about this, but they need to get Garrett Whitlock out of the damn rotation. Mm. So, your thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, we talked about this, actually, I think it was the draft special, mm-hmm. and I did agree with you. Now this... Walker situation and really has your hands tied. Um, but, like, to be honest, this bullpen is so bad putting Whitlock in there. I don't know, it's kind of put on like a band aid on a, a gushing wound. Mm. Because, other than him, there is kind of nobody. And it's very, ah, it's so frustrating. Like, Matt Barnes has transformed himself into like the worst pitcher in baseball. He's literally there just to, like, well, we've lost. Just whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm. Um, like, no one can make a save. The, every every game kind of goes the same right now. Mm. Either, well, it goes one of two ways. Either the Red Sox lead one to nothing going into the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, mm-hmm. and the bullpen blows it, or they're losing two to nothing, two to one going into the late innings, and the bullpen just gives it away. Mm-hmm. 
and then I mean the offense is never going to come back. So like <clears throat> we are talking a lot about the bullpen, but like I mean I still think their biggest problem is offense. I mean it has been now. With I feel like two weeks ago. The offense wasn't this bad. And it was more excuses two weeks ago. You know, you, the season just started. It's still really cold. Yeah. You know, it is still cold at Fenway. I know that firsthand. I was there on Saturday. Um, and, you know, that doesn't help. But, like, you're not hitting anywhere at any time. It's just Bogarts. It's just Devers. Verdugo's cooled off a little bit also. Yeah, he has. Um, and, like, you're never going to win these one nothing 2 to 1 games mm-hmm. with this bullpen it's just impossible mm. so i agree with you he should go back into the bullpen but it like like i said it's a band-aid on a just a gushing wound at this point mm. so i don't know if it'll really do much that's the problem <laughs> like you need to it would have been helpful 2 3 weeks ago sure we sure we have a few more wins we could have been out of last place yeah <laughs> yeah um could have won that series against the orioles you, you do realize they lead baseball in blown saves right Oh, that doesn't shock me at all. You know, I, when I looked at their stats, they have uh, five guys all with just one save. So they have no clear um, roles in the back of this bullpen, which is another reason that just doesn't help. You have no clear closer. You have no idea who the setups really are. I think Barnes was and lost it very quickly. Yeah, but they didn't even try it day one. Oh, yeah. I think they were hoping if he could, like, show that he had some pitching prowess this season. Mm-hmm. And then when they're like, all right, we're just going to put you into a whatever situation. And if you do good in these couple, we'll put you then as the closer again. And it's just he crapped his pants. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got an ERA over six right now. Yeah, he's been terrible. Um, so I said, to, what was it, three weeks ago? Mm. Don't panic. Yeah. We're about that time. Now, like, the season is not lost. It's only May. There are things you could do, but like, like you can't, like you can't make six trades here. It's not going to happen. No, um, you kind of hope that some of these guys just have to figure it out. I also which uh, sucks. Can we make Rich Hill throw more than sixty <clears throat> pitches? Sure. I mean, I I kind of wish they would let give these starters a longer leash in general, yeah. not just Rich Hill. Michael Waka was another one. He would like only go five, six innings. Yeah. Now they were great, five, six, six, six innings, but like, <laughs> if he goes to the seventh, if he can get to the eighth, like that takes such a load off your bullpen. You're just relying on one, two, three guys, depending on how long they go, and like they, you'd hope they can get... You're asking for a lot for seven or eight, but like with Rich Hill and Walker, can we at least make them go six? The Hill one is always the one that's most annoying to me, too. Because not even about the innings. Every time they pull him, like, he's at 68 pitches. He's old. Come on, man. They're probably they're trying to save him for that October dream. That's great. Uh, <laughs> except if you don't win enough to even be in that position. Uh, you know, with, well, with this atrocious bullpen, he's gotta throw more than 60 65 pitches another problem is i like alex cora but he has shown he loves to be a bullpen guy mm. he loves like he loves to try to make those moves but like he doesn't have the bullpen to do it yeah because he won yeah like alex cora has always been we're gonna save our pitchers um and i think it's really this philosophy kind of started with uh even before alex cora was here with chris sale because he would always just fall apart at the end of September and into October. So we're like, oh, let's save our pitchers. Let's save our starters. Let's try to kind of go heavy bullpen, which is the way the, the league in general is pointing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've even said in the past, like, I think I kind of feel like the days of the 200-inning pitcher and the star or the all-star starter, I mean, they'll be all-star starters, but, like, the, the 
the big name starters are kind of disappearing. Yes. Um, Which sucks. It's boring. Um, but that's the game Cora likes to play. We saw that when they won the World Series in 2018. He had very short leashes in that uh, playoff run. <clears throat> he did it again last season with that unprecedented run. Um, but you just can't do it with these nobodies. I know. Absolutely nobodies in the bullpen. And I'm not saying you have to go you have to go find the stars for your bullpen. No, you don't. You just need to find the right guys that are better than double A. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's that's where we're at here. And now that I understand that now that Walk is gone and on the IL, maybe they don't have the option anymore. But maybe we'd be in a little bit better of a situation if we had had Whitlock in the damn bullpen. And I'll say this, like, if Whitlock can make that transition and be a good starter, because he's shown that, like, all right, he can throw a good five innings. Um, if he can even extend that to six, seven. Um, I know it's hard for a guy that's been throwing uh, only one to two, three innings for the past couple years. But, like, if he can make that transition, great. I'd love that because I'd love a guy like him in the starting rotation. But the team you have and the pitching staff you have right now is just not the time to do it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. From that, guys, we are going to take a quick break before we get into the NHL playoffs. Stick with us, guys. Welcome back. It's time to talk a little NHL playoffs. I've been having so much fun watching this this year. Not really the Bruins, but like the past two games have been pretty good. And that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start local. So I actually picked the Hurricanes to win this series in five. Now, that's already impossible. Um, they came close. They could have just won one of those series in, uh, at the Garden. Can I just say, after game two, I'm surprised the Bruins had an A fight left. I am a little bit too. I was shocked. Well, because you got... Absolutely manhandled in Carolina, both games pretty much. Like you, the the final scores were not a reflection about how not close yeah, the games. Listen, were. I don't even know hockey that much, and I was watching it, and I was like, they're getting their asses kicked. Yes, <laughs> and then like not only like on the score and on like time of possession, but like they were physically just getting manhandled. And you could even see it in how they would play. Like, uh, there was a play where Grizzlick was going to get the puck, and he had the race won by a mile. Mm -hmm. And he chose to slow up and let the guy beat him because he didn't want to take the hit. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you kind of don't have guys that, like, you know, those big bad Bruins back in the day. However, and despite the fact they lost uh, Lindholm for 
I don't know how long. That was a brutal hit. Clean hit, but brutal hit. Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, you even saw the response. Like, Howla walks up, or skates up and just kind of pushes him. And then, like, the scrum starts, which, like, all right, you're defending your player, even though it was a clean hit. That's fine. Um, it's just playoff intensity. Most of them didn't see it. You just see your guy on the ground and a guy skating away. But, like, it was DeBrusque. It was Hall. It was uh, Howla. Mm-hmm. All going into the scrum. And then just getting manhandled by the <laughs> Hurricanes. It was kind of pathetic. Um, but then like you got back to Boston. And all right, you got home ice. And you got the home crowd behind you. And even those two games you won, I kind of feel you got lucky. Mm. Uh, yeah, the bounces got your way. You didn't have Lindholm or McAvoy yesterday. And that was somehow your best game played. Now, for the first period and a half, I thought it was kind of more the same, especially in the start of that second period, where the Carolina Hurricanes just constantly had the puck. They looked like they were on the power play for the first 10 minutes, and then they started taking stupid penalties, and that allowed you to take control of the game. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what you did, it was what they did wrong. So, that's kind of where they stand right now. I don't have a lot of hope for the rest of this series, even though it's tied 2-2. You can only win on home ice, it seems. And, and like that really, like if you're gonna go take it to Game Seven, like that's in Carolina, and you know, home team has last change, so and that really played dividends against the Bruins because they would constantly put out Jordan Stahl to take the faceoffs against Bergeron, and Bergeron has been the best faceoff man in the NHL for years, but Stahl had his number, just the matchup was bad. Uh, Stahl just constantly won the faceoffs, and like that's huge. If you're constantly starting with the puck, that's huge for your team. Mm. Uh, and that's great for possession. That's kind of where the Bruins and uh, Hurricanes stand right now. But another series I want to talk about a little bit is the Panthers and the Capitals. I said the Panthers would be the best regular season team. They were, but they don't have anyone. I mean, you know, they've been in the playoffs a couple times in the past couple years with, like, Barkov and Huberto, so they should have at least somewhat an idea of what the playoffs is like. (laughs) But they're not as experienced as the Capitals. And I did pick the Panthers, and it's, like, only 2-1. So there's still a lot of this series to go. Um, I still like the Panthers in this series, but that lack of experience and the Capitals' amount of experience that they have is clearly showing. Um, Because they lost that other game, I think it was 7-1, 7-2, something like that the other day. So this this series is pretty surprising. The Capitals have found a way to stymie that uh, massive offense with Huberdeau, Barkov, Giroux, uh, Ekblad is back. Are they just physically going to beat them up? Is it is that how they're stymieing well, the offense? A little bit, yeah. I mean, because the Capitals are bigger and tougher. And that like that matters so much in the playoffs. Because the further you go, you're going to lose people to injury. People are going to be banged up. Like no, Pretty much no one will be 100% if you go the distance. Um, and they expect that. So the Capitals are just far more built to be physical, and that is huge in the playoffs. Again, I still think the Panthers will probably win this series, but even if they do, I don't expect them to go anywhere after it, but how beat up and how hard it will be to just take on the wild card team. Mm. So, it's not looking good for the Panthers. Again, I still think they'll win this series, but this really shows that they're not built yet for a good playoff run. Mm. They need a little more size. I would like a little more um, uh a surety in my goaltending. Bobrovsky is pretty good, but it, he can be so bad if he gets down on himself, like mm. you saw the other day. Um, <clears throat> and uh, like, I, I, it's, I don't trust the Panthers to go deep, and it's really I feel like I'm it's really showing right now. Mm-hmm. Another series I do want to talk about a little bit 
Penguins and Rangers. I mentioned. Do I, I know hockey people. <laughs> now, it, on paper, I said the Rangers are kind of just all around better than this Penguins team. But again, it comes back to the Penguins have that playoff experience, and they know that this could be the last time, and they're really showing it. The last dance. Maybe. For them. We'll get that documentary soon. <laughs> uh, or I guess in, what, 20 years? Yeah. Um, I'd watch it. Actually, you know what? Sidney Crosby has really grown on me recently, and he's shown that he's still one of the best players in the NHL despite his age. He is still dynamic on the ice. He is still one of the best puck movers on the ice. He is still so hard to take the puck away from him. And the young, young uh, New York Rangers can't handle it. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good their defense is. I mean, I don't care how good their offense is. They have the best goalie in the NHL who got pulled last game. Um, and yet, they just don't have that experience. They haven't, none of them have been there yet. So, and that, again, that really they're shows. Not, and they're not a step up franchise. No, they're not. Like, they're listen, I don't not. even know hockey like that, but I know what the Rangers are come playoff time. No, they're a choke artist. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh is a winning place. The Penguins are a winning team and a winning culture. Yes. No, absolutely. They're a step up franchise, Penguins. And not, I Rangers pick, are not. I picked the Rangers just based on how good <laughs> on paper it is. And I did mention these intangibles, but, like, this really shows how much we need to think about less about who these players are and where they've been and what they've done at least for hockey Mm -hmm. because it's just so so important Mm. and like you see that a little bit with the Dallas Stars I think NBA is pretty similar actually too I mean I'm sure all you could put that that matters in all leagues you know baseball baseball sometimes just get hot sure but I'm like I'd rather I'd rather have my like game one or game seven starter kind of be a guy. I know I'm obviously true, gonna pick true. my best guy for that season. Yeah, but I'd prefer it to be a guy that who's been there and done that. Yeah, I get that. Who will be calm out there? But like you know, this also plays into like the Dallas Stars. Not a good team. Shouldn't be here. You're up two one on the uh, Flames. I said the Flames should. Okay, on paper, they should manhandle you. They should roll all over you. But the Flames have not been here. They have not done that, and it is showing. Um, the Kings are on paper not as good as the Oilers but both but the Oilers have not been there not done that they always choke when they are here in the first round and the Kings despite the fact that are not very good on paper have been there and done that Hmm. so a little bit of a rundown for your playoffs I mean the best series so far the ones I said they should be Toronto and Tampa I'm sure Tampa will or yeah Tampa will take that in game seven because that's how Toronto rolls and then the Minnesota Wild and Blue Series has been so fun to watch. Um, and here's the thing. All game the, one wasn't close, though. Not, here's the thing about that. All these series are close, except Colorado and the Predators. None of these games are close. Every game is a blowout. It's wild. Wait, is Colorado blowing out the Predators? Oh, it's absolutely. It's 3 nothing. Uh, okay. like, uh, that, isn't that, that was your Stanley Cup pick. It was. Okay. Well, I know. I went against it a little bit because, like, the Avalanche are the kind of choke artist teams. They've been in the playoffs the past couple years, so I expect a little more out of people like McKinnon and Landeskog when Landeskog eventually gets back. But like, um, like on paper they're very good. But I always had like that back. Like you don't win here. You just don't do it when you get here. Um, but they did have a good matchup. The Predators are eh. Um, so like we'll see how it goes. Like if they take on the Blues or the Wild, like that will be the real test of like is this team really gonna take that step? Yes. All right. All right, I think we're good. So good. on to some other playoff stuff: the Celtics and the Bucks. The Bucks 
take game three, 103 to 101, with a bit of controversy there at the end as uh, the Celtics fans wanted the call the foul on Marcus Smart to be in the act of shooting. I do think the refs whiffed on that call. Maybe that changes things. Maybe the Celtics even win the game if Marcus Smart makes all three free throws. Uh, but they didn't. And to me, this still hasn't really changed my mind about the way this series is going to go. I think for the most part, the last two games, the Bucks have gotten the Celtics' best shot. And the Celtics were one and one in those. Especially game two, obviously, where they just shot out of their minds. But listen, Al Horford put up thirty, uh, put up 22 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 assists in that last game. He's largely been made a non-factor by the size of the Bucks. Are we really going to count on Horford doing that again? Because I don't. No. The old man, like, I don't think he's going to do that. Now, I know they're going to say Tatum had a terrible game, one rebound, three assists, and only 10 points. But I feel like Tatum has been marginalized multiple times, it seems like, against Milwaukee. Jalen Brown, as you said, it might be the key as well. 27 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists. So he played pretty well. But I feel like, for the most part, the Bucks have been able to marginalize Tatum throughout the series. I don't really know if that's going to change and I'm not going to count on the old man Horford doing that again. They continue to not be able to stop Giannis. He had 42 points in this game Um, and it really just comes down to, I'm sorry, he had 24 points in this game, but he had 12 assists and also 13 rebounds. So it really comes down to Giannis is going to get his, but the other people around him need just to do enough and so far they have. Holiday at 25 points. Portis put up 15 as well. And Brooke Lopez had six. But Brooke Lopez is part of that dominating defense down in the the middle lane that's completely taking away the interior for the Celtics. He also had 10 rebounds as well. So I think the Bucs have taken some of Boston's best shots and they're up 2-1 to here. And I just, I don't see this getting better for the Celtics. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, we also, another name we mentioned, and that could be pretty important in the series, was Robert Williams. Yeah. And how healthy is he? And it's pretty obvious that he's not at 100%, and yeah. that's that's really devastating to them. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, they're they're taking away Tatum. Now, do I expect a game like this from Tatum? I'll expect a bounce-back game, but what's a bounce-back game going to be against the Bucks? 20 points? Like, like I, I, they've, they've just been able to <clears throat> marginalize him throughout the series, it seems. Yeah, and like, we... We didn't get the chance to say it, but like when I, I was thinking it all week, that game where you, uh, the game two where you beat the Bucks, like, like that almost made me feel worse mm. about the Celtics' chances in the series because I was like, is all your plan is to just rain threes? Because well, that's not you maintainable. Know fu- it's you know what's funny is the show we did before. You guys asked how could the Celtics win, and you guys were trying to come up with stuff or what's the key. No, I think you asked what's the key before we even said players, and I was just like, I like you know kind of whispered into the mic not as loud because I was letting you guys talk but I just went Celtics just have to shoot out of their minds that's what they did in game two and yeah and, and that's the way they, they can win and they're not built like that you know I think maybe you can win one more game like that but to be honest I, I it's not it's just not maintainable you said yourself like this team just isn't good enough shooting yeah uh, they're built to be a defensive team a good passing team, mm-hmm. a marginally good shooting team, mm-hmm. but it's just not good enough. And then you you had a real chance to win that game, even despite the blown call at the end. Like, mm-hmm. it was pretty close for the first half. I know the third uh, quarter, um, 
Well, they also were down most of the game and then needed a furious fourth quarter to end up being in the game. They yeah, outscored them 34-23 to 23 in the fourth, but they yeah. were down by like 15 at one point. Well, yeah, but they had a terrible shooting first half, but they were still... I think they were even leading at the half, actually. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that they were just not taking good shots all game, and then, yes, the third quarter happened, and that really put them behind, and sure, you made that comeback, but if you were just shooting a little bit better, you almost needed this game. Mm. Because of the Bucks themselves were not quite on 100% on their game. They were missing a lot of shots as well. So if you could have just been a little better shooting, like you could have, you really could have taken this game. And like that's a that's a big blow because that was a very emotional, hard fought game that mm-hmm. you came up short. Mm. So, and like as much as we say, like, oh, next game, well, they'll, they'll forget about it. But like these, these, are, these are human beings and that stuff weighs on you. Yes. <clears throat> so that's, I'm not. What did, I, what did we say last week? Like, we're not on the hype train. Like, yeah. I, I'm so off this hype train. Yeah, I was never on it, but yeah. I'm, I'm off this hype train. I think Boston has one more win in them in this series. And you know Max. what? I'd be happy with that. <laughs> and yeah, I might be happy with that as well. But yeah, that that's just how I see this one going down. I, I don't see anything else here. All right, moving on. I don't know if we ever talked. Have we ever talked UFC on the show before? Other than maybe mentioning in Rapid Fire News. I was going to say, just probably Rapid Fire News. Um, but anyway, UFC 274 happened with two big title fights. One, Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza for the strawweight belt. Was an absolute snooze fest. <laughs> just an absolutely terrible fight. But then, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. For anyone who's not a UFC fan, or at least a casual, Charles Oliveira is on an unprecedented win streak right now, and he is smashing everyone that they put in front of him. Would you, he does would you say he's smashing? Well, listen. Mostly just choking him out. Yeah, but he puts them on Dizzy Street first okay. by knocking okay. them down, and then he okay. chokes them out. I see what you're saying. Okay. And it's so entertaining to watch because he throws himself into the fire in order to be able to do this. He is not safe at all. He's been hurt in almost all of these fights. But he just thinks, and he's, with the thing with him is, he's has the advantage of almost like it's a boxing fight for him when it comes to the stand-up. Because if you hurt him and he goes to the ground, you can't jump on him. <laughs> and try and finish him because his jiu-jitsu is too good. He has the most submissions in UFC history and it's not really all that close anymore. So he got hurt by Gaethje and put on the ground and Justin could not get on top of him and try and finish him. Poirier, the same thing, could not get on top of him and try and finish him. So Charles can just take the shot and then get an eight count like this is a boxing match and recover and be fine. And the minute he hurts his opponent, he does the smart thing too. He doesn't try and just beat him down because sometimes they get crazy they miss with half their shots he just goes oh you barely know where you are right now you're not going to be able to defend me I'm going to choke you out Mm. that's what he does every single time he hurts guys in the stand up he walks through the fire to land his own shots and he gets them hurt so then he can then submit them and it's working like a charm actually can I ask you a question then yes do you think that's part of the strategy of like he takes a pretty good hit but then he'll be a little dramatic. Oh, you got me down. Come get me, boy. Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. I also think it's a strategy, too. Because Charles isn't worried about scorecards. He thinks that he's going to finish every single opponent. Whether And he does it in three faceted <laughs> ways. He doesn't get enough credit for just how hard he hits. 
Because, I mean, he hit Justin right out the gate, and you could see the look on Gaethje's face. He was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, that, what was that? I don't feel like he gets enough credit for his punching power. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing that he does is he just wears guys down with his pace. I mean, he is just constantly marching people down, putting so much pressure on you. And then the third thing, like everybody knows, is the submissions. Just the jiu-jitsu is off the chain. So unprecedented run. I don't, there's only one guy left in the division for him right now, and that's Islam Makachev. If you know, Habib's student, the same sort of style, the style that dominated the UFC lightweight division for years, made Habib not even lose a round. Now it might be Makachev versus Oliveira. It'll be a fascinating fight to watch. Huge step up in competition, though, for Makachev. So we'll see how that goes. But also, there's the controversy, too, with Charles Oliveira missing the weight by half a pound. So he's not even the champion right now. It's a wild night in the UFC. <laughs> Jesse, do you have any thoughts? Well, you said it was both wild and disappointing in some ways. Yes. For the Rose, the Thug Rose fight. And, like, you, I didn't see any of this live. Now, like, you know, you go on Twitter and stuff like that. ESPN and Barstool posts, like, the, the knockouts, the big hits and stuff like that, the winners. So I knew generally the outcome. But you really wanted me to watch the Rose, the Thug Rose fight and... What was her name again? Carla Esparza. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Um... And because you're like, bro, this fight sucked. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And you said, like, hey, it might be boring. And, like, I had to, like, prevent myself from falling asleep. Uh, I was going to say, just keep picking up my phone. I was like, no, like, watch it. Just watch it. It's only five rounds. It'll be over eventually. Like, it sucked, man. It, it was sucked. It was bad. Um, and, like, yeah, they were making jokes. This, what is it? This will set Uf, women's UFC back. <laughs> Ten years? Yeah. Um, and I didn't see it. I made the same joke that apparently Joe Rogan uh, made of is he there? which is Pat Barry didn't want Rose's face messed up for the wedding. Yeah, they just protecting her so she'll <laughs> look good for this wedding. Um, and then yeah, like she had the audacity to be like, "I'm the best after." Like, oh yeah. And then like, I mean, I shut it off pretty quick, but she seemed to be that poor sport of like, "I'm not going to congratulate the person that just beat me" mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I hate that crap. I really don't like <laughs> Rose Namajunas already. But that was really? one of the most I, I was gonna infuriating say I fights I've ever seen in my life. I was and gonna... just like, yo, get your boyfriend out of your corner. <laughs> because Trevor Whitman was like, you're better than her at everything. Let's go. Take it to her. Pat Bar- the crowd's booing. That means you're doing the right thing. You know, got to make sure you don't get taken down. Get Pat Barry out of her damn corner. Or at least make him not the head man. You know, here's another conspiracy theory. Maybe her fiance doesn't want her fighting at all anymore, and she feels like if she's not the champion, she'll just throw in the towel. I doubt and that. Retire. I highly doubt that. <laughs> but like, I actually liked Rose. Um, I, I've taken a step back. That really sucked. Um, but like, yeah, I liked her, and like, I was just kind of standing there, like, what's the problem? Like, you're not just nothing is like happening, and I just didn't get it. And she was better than her at everything. Like, the, it didn't even, like, like, she looked like, she didn't even look like she was afraid. It just looked like she didn't care. She just didn't engage. Yeah. It's and crazy. I didn't, I didn't, I'm, I don't understand. Is that maybe? Did you watch the Oliveira fight then, too, or no? Yeah. Okay, cool. That whole one, <laughs> yeah. not even a full round. Yeah. 
Which, like, that was easy after. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's get... I just said to myself, like, all right, let's get this one over with. I knew it was a much shorter fight, and it was going to be much more exciting, but I was just so, like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, it brought my mood back up. So, and, like, I like Charles. Yeah. Um, I was... Actually, I, I knew beforehand that I heard he missed weight, and I was like, oh, wow. And I actually made me step back, you're like... Because I didn't know at first how much he would miss weight by, just half yeah. a pound. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, is he... He's starting to not care anymore, too. Yeah. But no, clearly he does. Yes. And I think <clears throat> I think he cemented that, like, listen, it doesn't matter. I'm the best in the world, and there's no one close to me right now. Yeah. Because he smashed KG. Yeah. A lot of people liked KG in that fight. Did they? They really did. I don't know why, because Habib mauled him on the ground, so I don't know why they thought... Oliveira was, wasn't going to be able to run say, through him we, on the ground. Are we but, supposed to not even care about Justin Gaethje anymore? Uh-oh. I don't know. He was like on a hot. Wasn't he on a hot? I mean, you know him far more than me. But yeah, I mean, he, was he was on a hot streak. But then, like, he lost to Khabib, and then it's like, all right. And he got destroyed by Habib. Habib. Like, Haporier's fight with Habib was better than Justin's performance against Habib. Mm. So I didn't see that one. But, and I'm never this guy, but, like... Damn, I really wish Habib hadn't retired, because I really want to see him against Oliveira. Because that, that would be cool. That is fascinating, because Oliveira is so good on the ground. Is Habib really going to be able to control him the way he does everybody else? Here's the thing: even if Khabib, because everybody else, it was always well. If they can stop the takedown, if they can stop the takedown, with Charles, even if he gets taken down, he could submit Habib. He's dangerous. Mm. So. I mean that would And be. he's going to put the pressure on Habib. Habib used to put all the pressure on his opponents. Mm. As far as in the stand up and walking them down and stuff like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. But like I mean obviously he's retired, but Habib's fat now. Even if he like is <laughs> like I'm coming back, like he probably wouldn't be the same guy. He probably wouldn't be. I'm just saying it's 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 infuriating <clears throat> cuz Charles came up not long after and it's just like damn. That yeah. is a fascinating fight. But you know what? Habib's probably a really smart guy. He's like I've cemented myself. No, I get in it. This, in this uh, UFC world, I don't want to die young. Well, you know, so I'm gonna get out of this and actually, just teach people. You know, he's actually not. Um, you know, he doesn't pick and choose uh, his rules on his religion. You know, the way that <coughs> other athletes do. Kyrie <coughs> Irving. Um, <laughs> so you know, when he was starting to get the fame and the attention and the fortune, he was like, "This isn't really good for me in oh, my life and my lifestyle." Good for him. Yeah. I mean, he still got it, I bet. Yeah. But, like, all right, he's not, he's not, all right, I need more. Yeah. I need more money. Yeah, he was kind of like, this isn't actually good, mm. and I don't want to live this way, so. Well, good for him. So he tapped out. Oh, That's funny. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all right, but yeah. Except he never tapped out. He never tapped out. He made other people tap out. <laughs> all right. Anything right. else you want to say? No, I think that's it with UFC 274. Do you think Islam is probably the only guy? Right now, for him, uh, for Oliveira, there's nobody probably. else. That, yeah, because like everyone else has been smashed by Khabib, smashed by Oliveira, or uh, so like I don't know. I wonder how long Oliveira can keep this up, though. How old is he? Do you know? I think he's thirty now. Okay, but it's All like, right. but how long can you keep throwing yourself in the fire and getting hit? I mean, they go into the late thirties. Chandler, remember, Chandler put him on. Like he was in danger against Chandler. Mm. Do you think he'll get another shot then? Michael Chandler? Yeah, because he yes. just uh, kicked what's-his-face in the face. If, <laughs> as long as Chandler wins his next fight, mm. I think... 
And by the way, the funny thing is, is I think no matter what happens with Charles and Islam, probably Chandler gets wait, another chance. Wait. Because if Charles th- wins, who <laughs> else is there for Charles? And people are like, well, Chandler Chandler almost put him out in round one. Chandler, Chandler had the best fight of anybody. Do you think Islam and... Um Chandler. Chandler will fight, and no, the winner of that no, will get the chance. No, I think they're just going to give it to Makachev at this point because there's nobody else. Have they not? Have they fought yet? Who? Israel and or uh, Makachev and Islam and Chandler and Chandler. No, Is- Islam, Israel. Islam, <laughs> Islam hasn't fought anybody up there yet. Really? Okay. So why he was supposed to fight Benel Daryush and then Daryush was out. So but it's just there's nobody else. Well, that's what I mean. Like, why would they not throw then Chandler in with him just to see? Like, all right. This is a guy that's pretty good. He fought Oliveira and did pretty well. You could beat him. What are you going to do with Makachev? Going to make him fight Daryush? No, that's what I said. You fight. You make him fight, oh, fight Chandler, Chandler and, and, the then winner the, where, yeah. and the winner gets Oliveira. You could do that. That's what I think. Yeah, you could. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea because you got to get the most out of Chandler now. And Chandler, I mean, listen, he's getting up there. Doesn't he? He also doesn't he need another fight to win that belt back. Who? Uh, Oliveira. Because he doesn't have the belt anymore. Oh, technically, yes. Oliveira doesn't have the belt. It's vacant. But mm-hmm. we all know who the champion is. Especially after that performance. All right. We are going to take one last quick break, and then we're going to get into some, a different sort of topic. They, they, were my, uh, they were my dark horse pick, and they're doing a lot of what I, what I hoped. But uh, you know what? Derek Jeter was right, and I get why, mm-hmm. he, why he said F this franchise. So... We're going to get to that after. We're going to take a quick break, though, uh, before we get into that. Stick with us, guys. wrap this up one last topic then on Tommy report and Darwin as always but wanted to get into this because they were my dark horse pick and they are in second right now in the NL East despite the losing record tied for second tied for second now sorry sorry for second um but the Miami Marlins Derek Jeter left before the beginning of this year citing differences in the direction the ownership wanted to go and he felt like it was time and I think at first it was a little puzzling because the Marlins had bought it seemed that the uh, during the offseason they had brought in Solaire and Joey Wendell and all these guys but and I really liked this team coming in but the more I've watched and the more I've, I've seen it and looked and all this kind of stuff I'm like you know what damn Derek Jeter had a point even though the Marlins sort of went for it in the offseason, 
it was still sort of half-assed. And this is not the time for half-assed. This starting rotation for the Marlins is sensational. And this is not a one-off. This is not something that you think is going to, you know, you know, regress. They've been good now for three years, and you're not paying any of these guys. This team, to me, is an impact bat. Big, one big impact bat away from being a playoff team and maybe the NL East champion. If they literally just had one difference-making bat. And it's reported that Jeter wanted Castellanos. And you know what? This was the time for the Marlins to finally go out and bring somebody in and pay at least one guy. Because this pitching is elite. It is cheap. And you are doing a disservice to your team with how half-assed you were about trying to upgrade the offense. Because they're one injury array from going back to being just as awful offensively as they were last year. But between Sandy Alcantara, who's becoming one of the better pitchers in the uh, Alcantara, becoming one of the better pitchers in the game, Pablo Lopez has been sensational this season. He was great last year. All these guys, ERAs of three and lower over the past two seasons. Trevor Rogers, the rookie, was really good last year. He's had his ups and downs, it seems, a bit this year. But he had a very good outing against San Diego last night. But the problem is, is that the Marlins aren't scoring enough runs. And so they're constantly going to have to win one-run games. They've lost. They, they went on a six-game losing streak after they won seven in a row. If you go look at the games, they're all one-run losses, five to four. They've lost two three-to-two games to San Diego. So they're in all these games. If you just had a little bit more offense, it would push you over the edge. This was the time to go for it. When you have these opportunities, moments, you can't let them go. They're not paying this rotation anything. Sandy's great. Rogers is great. Pablo Lopez is great. Eliezer Hernandez has potential. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I don't know why the Marlins fans hated Jeter so much, because it seems like Jeter was the only one in there trying to make them win. And I get it, Derek. At first, I was like, mm, this team's pretty good. I don't know why Derek walked away now. Mm, no, I get your frustration now. Uh, I'm, I'm on Derek Jeter's side over here. They they really did a disservice. Mm. I mean, I understand why they hated him at first. Mm-hmm. Because they had a half... They had some half-decent players in there, and they had a somewhat squad they could build around, and he's like, sell, start from square one. Mm-hmm. And... Looks like he might have been right. <laughs> yeah, well... Now, the thing is, if you get Castellanos, do you get Solaire? I think No. Now, Cassianos is way better than Soler. Yeah, Soler's batting 171. He does have four home runs, so he's yeah. putting he's putting up some instant offense. There's mm-hmm. value to him. <clears throat> but like you I mean, you always say be aggressive when now, the moment's there. Yeah, when the, there, there is a time and place, but like if a Jeter felt this was the time, this was the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why I mean, you can always just guess. Well, they didn't want to spend real money because mm. they didn't think they would make a profit because Marlins fans aren't aren't that loyal. They don't really show up. Listen, but at the end of the day, to me, winning cures all. And if they started sure. winning, I guarantee you that they would get a lot more support. Sure. Oh, I, no, absolutely. Like, you know, at least down the stretch, like, oh, hey, the Marlins are winning. You want to try to go to a game? Yeah, like second half of the season, like, yo, we're in first place right now. I mean, here's <laughs> the thing. They can still... I kind of wish Jeter didn't leave mm. because he could still be there like, bro, look at this. I know. I'm correct. Make a trade. Do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, good luck to Derek Jeter. <laughs> um, 
And like, here's the thing. I love the Marlins franchise. I've loved them for a long time, actually. Really? Partly because I played for them a lot in Little League. I just always got put on the Florida Marlins. <laughs> um, and the 2003 season was one of my favorite baseball seasons ever. The mm. Florida Marlins won that year. And they just had the, one of the funniest stories of just never losing a playoff series mm. ever until the pandemic year. Mm-hmm. Um, what they sadly did. And they shouldn't even have been there, but whatever. Mm. Um <clears throat> So yeah, I would love to see this team back in the in the mix. I hate their uniforms. <laughs> I hate that they made themselves the Miami Marlins and not the Florida Marlins, and they're ruining everything about that. Um, but I would love to see this team back in the mix. I, I I mean, the fact that I love to see teams that aren't normally there there. That's always fun. And like, I I am mad at them. I understand Marlins friends now frustration now of like, guys, just spend a little money, <laughs> a little bit more, you know. I like Solaire the player, but like that is that's a little that's the cheaper option of what, what was out there. Yeah, Joey Wendell and Solaire. Like I said, yeah, they made the offense a little bit better, but you know what? It's not enough. They're probably going to get Xander Bogarts in the off season. That's <laughs> I highly doubt that. A new shortstop next year. Uh, except they have a shortstop already in Jazz Chisholm, who is a young emerging star. Oh, he's a second baseman, isn't he? Is he? Does he play their shortstop every day? Oh no, you're right. Rojas plays plays shortstop. That's what I mean. Yeah, Chisholm came up as a oh. shortstop. Chisholm but, is also one of the funniest players to watch in, in baseball right now. Yes. Um, in Electric Factory right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. And here's the other one, too. I, I forgot <clears throat> about somebody. Jesus Lazardo is having a sensational season now for the Marlins. He was the, you know, premier prospect for the A's for two years. And, you know, it just takes these guys sometimes to try and figure it out. They traded for him when they traded Marte uh, to the A's. Yeah. Um, Okay. And they got Jesus Lozado in return. He was terrible last year, but it looks like this highly touted kid is figuring it out here now. That gives you Lozardo, Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Rogers. All these guys, other than Alcantara, I think all these guys are 26 <clears throat> and younger and all cheap. Man. <sighs> I should have gone for it. It's it's very it's infuriating to me. Cheap ownership. Yeah, I've seriously cheap ownership. But you'd think that like when you get these rare sparks of opportunity, you'd go for it. Uh, and just try and win something back for the fans. I mean the Marlins have always had a just have no idea how to build a team from day one. Mm. They kind of stumbled their way into two World Series, especially that <laughs> second one. Like you had no business being in the playoffs, period. Um, it literally was just like you 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 made the coaching change to get McKeon, um, and that turned your whole season around. Which you know that can happen mm. for pretty much any team as long as you get some of the right players. But then they immediately sold all those players: Derek Lee, uh, Encarnacion, uh, Ivan Rodriguez. Uh, it was a couple other ones. Beckett they, was. I don't think they sold Beckett right away. Beckett no, was still there. No, Mike Lowell, Beckett, and Alex Gonzalez only had like, I think it was, oh six. Mm. That they made a trade. So that's three years later. Yes. Like, you still you had a core. Most of them were young. Um, Brad Petty was on that team. Yes. Uh, man, I love that team. <laughs> that team was. It was all, I mean, I love them because they beat the Yankees. <clears throat> sure, but uh, that was one of that. It was just a great story. Like it was. Th- that that series against the Giants was amazing, um, and the ending was incredible. Uh, that Chicago series was insane and mm. so controversial and filled with so many stories. And then yes, that Yank that beating the Yankees was just the cherry on top. Yeah. So like I I've I mean I've gotten away from it, but I used to follow this franchise pretty hard actually. 
but they've just sucked for so long that I've gotten away from them. Mm-hmm. And I want to see them again. I want to see them there again. Mm-hmm. I love the Marlins for mm-hmm. no reason. Yeah. All right. All right, we're ready to wrap things up here. Our last two segments, as always. Jesse Caulfield, take it over on the Tommy Report. Oh, boy, we got some real Tommy news this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a little controversy while we're at it. We mentioned two weeks ago he made a TikTok Oh, I forgot account, about that. And now he's posting. He posted a video of him basically admitting, I don't know if you can even admit this, that the tuck rule, that, like, that might have been a fumble. Mm-hmm. Which, like, why would you do that, A... But also, B, no, it wasn't. That was the rule. It was <laughs> He tucked it back into himself. That is still considered, it's a dumb rule, or was a dumb rule. It was, he tucked it back in, which is still part of the throwing motion back then. So that's not a fumble. I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> I don't know why Brady decided to stir that pot, other than maybe they weren't talking about him enough. We don't talk about the tuck rule enough. Oh, yeah, we don't talk about the tuck rule game enough. Yeah, serious, whatever. Uh, but then Tom Brady also this week, he went to watch some F1 racing mm-hmm. with Michael Jordan, David Beckham, and Lewis Hamilton. So they were all hanging out together. Mm. That's a star-studded little group there of some of the best to play sports. Uh, so, yeah, that has been your weekly Tommy update. All right. All right, with that, we are ready to wrap things up. Darwin Award, let's go. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is... Rose Namayunas for an absolute dud of a UFC championship fight. Congratulations to Rose Namayunas. Honorable mention to her boyfriend, Pat Barry, who will be mentioned all over this rant, actually. But I have seen underwhelming fights and title fights before, but I don't think I've ever seen something quite like this. Because from about the second round on, it was pretty obvious that Nama Yunus was way better than Esparza, and better at almost anything. And the only thing that she was worried about was Carla taking her down. But Carla had taken her down twice already, and held her there for, like, two seconds before Rose was able to get back up. So at that point, you should be confident you're going to be able to get back up. Way faster than her, way better in the striking, and if you want to talk about history, Carla Esparza only had this shot because the women's division is so weak. And they had nobody else to fight Rose, okay? Rose should blow Carla out of the water and everything, and it was clear she was better than Carla and everything. But she refused to engage at all. Just ran away from her, barely threw any strikes, and thought that just by doing that and looking better and faster and more athletic, she was somehow going to win the decision, despite that Carla had taken her down twice. The only things that you could judge on were literally Carla's takedowns, even though they were wildly unsuccessful or unable to do anything with them. But Rose said so little that she basically just gave away her belt. I mean, next time, just don't even show up to the arena, Rose. (laughs) Like, that was terrible. And Pat Barry, her stupid boyfriend, (laughs) in the damn corner, telling her, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. It's a good thing that the crowd is booing. Not once thinking to himself, like, yes, we need to be scared of the takedown, but you're not giving a, the judges enough for them to even judge who's winning the rounds. And her striking coach, who's one of the best in the game, he's not some schmuck, he trains everybody, world champions, Trevor Whitman, from about the, in between the second and third round, started saying, you're better than her at everything, it's time to take it to her. Pat Barry always had to have the last word and remind her not to overdo it, and they were doing the right thing. 
They made this joke during the thing. I wonder if Pat Barry just didn't want her face messed up for the wedding. I don't know what it was, but damn, just terrible. Jesse, thoughts on the Darwin? Hey. <laughs> Uh, oh, actually, wasn't ready for the camera there. I know. Uh, I mean, we we, we kind of said it all in when we were talking about the UFC earlier, but it was just yeah, like I said, it was just so boring. I actually, I said it before, I liked her. I thought her last fight against. Um, but for the Darwin, it's not even just about the boring. No, I understand. Because I understand why you need to fight boring fights sometimes. The guy's super dangerous and there's a certain way to win. No, it's the fact that she but didn't. But she did so little that there was no way they could judge it. And there was no reason for her to be that careful. She was better than her at everything. Yeah, which is kind of so <laughs> weird. I mean, maybe it was an overconfidence thing. Maybe it was the fact that, hey, the wedding's coming up. Maybe she just wasn't mentally there. I don't know. I mean, we'll never probably get a real straight answer. But her last fight against... Uh, I think it was Wei Li Zhang is her name. Yeah. That was, it didn't go the distance, but it from the get-go was intense. Mm-hmm. Throwing haymakers, all that stuff, because um, she knew that it was going to be a battle. And like I said, I, it, maybe it's part of like, oh, I got this. I don't have to try that hard. I'm just so head and shoulders better than someone. But like, how many times throughout sports history has that been the downfall of the better Team, player, what have you. Fighter. <laughs> Fighter. Uh, in anything. Even like in real life. Like, oh, I got this business deal. I don't even have to really care. Or, I got this job. I don't really have to care in the interview. No, like, you have to care at all moments, at all times. Put your best foot forward with everything you do. I don't get it, Rose. I really don't. I, I, don't. I just, I don't think I've ever seen somebody throw away a fight that was more obvious that she would have won than this one. Hmm. I mean, you've watched far more fights than me, um, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then, and then to just walk around after the fight, like, woo! I won. I'm the best. I know <laughs> like, they. I know they all do that. And when it goes to distance, they all put their arms up and walk around yeah, the but ring. Even when Izzy had that dud against Yoel Romero or Ngannou and Derek Lewis, when they had their dud, I like they were that. never cheering after. They were like, we know that that was not a great performance. Rose is out here like, oh, I barely did any. I'm the best. Like laughable. Laughable. Yeah. 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 So, Darwin Award winner Rose Namajunas for basically giving away your title by showing up and not doing anything at all. So, congrats to the Darwin Award winner <laughs> Rose Namajunas. All right. That has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. Good luck to the Bruins and the Celtics coming up in their playoff games. We hope that the outcomes are better than we basically predicted on the show but (laughs) i'm just i'm not on anybody's uh bandwagon we will always be honest with you i'm not on the bandwagon right (laughs) but good luck to them and have a great rest of your week at slow your roll by the way on instagram slowyourroll.com as well jesse is back doing his uh his articles for the yaki wave report you can see him outside gate a at fenway also so i'm healthy if he's healthy (laughs) all right thank you very much have a great rest of your week